Hi, welcome to the Romance Me Podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. And we'd like to ask our one and only fan a question. Of Carol Burnett's Tarzan Yell. Are you jealous? I told you it was stupid. I told you. Today we'll be discussing The Code for Love and Heartbreak by Jillian Cantor. <laughs> <laughs> Love the crickets. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we'll be discussing The Code for Love and Heartbreak by Jillian Cantor. Emma is co-president of the High School Coding Club, along with her friend and academic rival, George. As co-presidents, it is their responsibility to come up with a project idea. Emma's idea to make a matchmaking app is popular with everyone but George. The club moves forward with the matching app, and it seems to be working at first. However, Emma can't figure out the code for that ineffable quality of love that the happy couples around her describe. There will be spoilers beyond this point. Well, Erica, how's Emma doing? <laughs> Emma is not doing well because her older sister, Izzy, who's probably the person she's closest to in this world, is moving away to UCLA to go to college, which is across the country. And the whole reason Izzy is moving to UCLA is because her boyfriend, John, is going to UCLA and Izzy wants to be close to John. That's always a good idea. Go to the college that the boyfriend goes to. Well, you know, they're in love. And they live in an Austin spinoff world, so it's probably going to be fine. Emma is really upset over this because she feels like Izzy chose John over her. So at the beginning of the story, like this is in the prologue, but Emma is highly reliant on Izzy and the comfort Izzy brings to her. Social skills. Yeah, the social skills Izzy has. And Emma has always kind of been the tag along with Izzy. Not that Izzy minds, really, I don't think. No, I don't get the impression that she's always inviting Emma places, you know, come along with us or whatever. But they're always with Izzy's friends, and Emma's never really made friends with Izzy's friends or anything like that. And she's never been too inclined, it seems, to make friends in general, with the exception of George, which is sort of a friend's enemies frenemies thing or rivals well the interesting thing about george is that he's john's younger brother and so (laughs) she still has ties to george through izzy (laughs) in a way at least initially yeah but yes george gets emma in a way that no one else seems to partly that's because he's just as smart as her and they actually are academic rivals they both hope to be valedictorian this year This is their senior year in high school, and it's a big deal. Exactly. They're also co-presidents of the coding club. Her and George are intellectually similar, but George still manages to have some level of social awareness that Emma doesn't. George understands people in a way that Emma just does not understand at all. Emma has, throughout the book, difficulty understanding people. Like, is that their motive? Is this what they really meant? Why did they say that? Did it mean this? Yeah, she's much more comfortable in the world of math, which she sees as more clear and logical. She also sees math as more reliable than people, and that's partly because her mother died when she was really little, and partly because her sister left her to go to college. She understands numbers in a way that she just does not understand people, which is why she enjoys coding clubs so much. Since George's brother John went to school, he took the spare car, and so George gets a ride to school with Emma now. And so they spend a lot of time together before and after school uh, due to the transportation, the transportation situation. (laughs) 
as they're driving to school at the beginning of the year, they're discussing what they should propose for their school project for the coding club. Every year, the coding club does a project and competes uh, in several competitions, depending on how far they get before they're eliminated. Last year, I think they did a robot that was programmed to play basketball. And this year, they're not quite sure what to do. Yeah, and George comes up with a very, like, earth-conscious idea while Emma comes up with the idea to try to make a matchmaking app and write a code for love. Right. And one of the reasons Emma wants to do a matchmaking app is because it will be more social and she's going to try to be more social in school this year to stand out on her college application for Stanford. Yes, that's what Miss Taylor... Which I didn't really understand how a matchmaking app was going to make her more social, but... Okay. Yeah, Miss Taylor, her guidance counselor, is the one that tells her that. Guidance counselor and the teacher who's responsible for the club. Club advisor. Maybe not counselor. She is. She's the academic, she's Emma's academic advisor, and she's also the faculty Ah. advisor for the club. So they have their first meeting of coding club. They introduce each other. Yeah, so we have Hannah, who's a freshman, Robert, who's a student at the high school, but we don't know what grade, and Jane and Sam are both juniors, and then Emma and yes. George are seniors. And as co-presidents or co- co-captains of the club, they're in charge of coming up with the project ideas. And I- ironically, George is the one who inspired Emma to come up with the matchmaking idea because he pointed out that the teacher, Ms. Taylor, who is their club advisor, seems to have a, a thing with Mr. Weston, who's a new teacher at the school. Yes, and Emma, of course, disagrees with him because he's George and must be disagreed with. But then she thinks about it and she's like, you know, it does make sense. Why don't we do a matching app? We could figure out the math that would make someone most likely to be a good match for someone else says, oh emma <laughs> yeah george is basically like no that's dumb i don't like it but then at the next club meeting emma's created a prototype of this app because <laughs> she's like no i will persevere with my idea screw you george and she presents it to the club and she doesn't even it's not even a screw you george it's just like a oh okay george doesn't like it oh well i'm going to do it anyway because exactly I do my own thing which is good George is not the be-all, end-all. <laughs> right, but they are co-captains. Yes. She presents it to the club as, as a potential idea, and she also invites Mr. Weston to see the idea, because why not? And then she shows, based on her algorithm, how Miss Taylor and Mr. Weston would be a good match, which embarrasses <laughs> both teachers and makes George grumpy. <laughs> George is so grumpy that he ends up getting a ride home with Jane instead of with Emma that day. I don't understand why he's that level of grumpy, but whatever. Throughout the book, George gets grumpy with Emma and then avoids her. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't (laughs) understand that. Like, I, I I don't understand why he's grumpy. It would make more sense if there was a reason. Is it just because she's disobeying him? Yeah, there really isn't. Or not working on it with him and doing too much her own thing and not compromising, which that would make sense. But because he avoids her, then we don't know. We're left to speculate. Yeah, we don't know. The story doesn't ever get into George's head. He is not being constant. (laughs) Is that a math joke? (laughs) 
the author does a really good job of showing how George has had a crush on Emma from the very beginning of this book. And every time Emma does something that's just clueless as far as how George feels about her, it seems like George gets frustrated and pulls away for a while. Why George doesn't just say, hey, you know, maybe we should go out sometime is beyond me, but this is high school. There's other things later that George does that I'm just like, I don't know why that was a secret. Like, I get why you kept it a secret from the judges, but I literally don't know why you kept it a secret from everybody else. <laughs> or specifically Emma. It makes <laughs> no effing sense. Even though George doesn't like the idea and Jane kind of agrees with George, everyone else in the club likes Emma's idea and Ms. Taylor kind of casts the deciding vote and says, okay, well, this will probably be the better chance for us to win. Once the decision is made that this is the project we're going to do, everyone in the club is like, okay, we're all Yay, in. supportive. They all work on it. They all try. They all do their best at it, you know, because they want to win. Yes. When Emma gets home that night, she gets a FaceTime call from her sister who says, George texted John and said <laughs> that you lost your mind. Because <laughs> you didn't agree with George. Which, thanks, George. Appreciate it. Disagreement does not equal insanity. <laughs> but after this call with Izzy, Emma has some, some introspection where she thinks about how numbers don't let you down and how she just can't understand why her mom died so young and left her. Because her mom died at 33. Like she just went to sleep and never woke up. And Emma just can't wrap her mind around that, but she can understand numbers because numbers follow specific set rules. And so she's able to relate to them better. She also thinks that maybe Izzy moved so far away because of Emma's reliance on her. Yeah, I think that's kind of in Emma's head. You know what I mean? Like that's no, she was in love with her boyfriend and she left. I, Emma it doesn't have anything to do with you. <laughs> True, but this is high school. Everything has to do with her because that is true. the world revolves around her. <laughs> I mean, that's how and it is. is the sun. Um, when you're young, right? Yes. When you're the main character. But I, I don't know, because I get where you're coming from, how that's probably just all in her head. But it also kind of made sense to me that Izzy's whole life has been about taking care of Emma. And her dad, or their dad. Yeah, maybe Izzy wanted that freedom. And there's nothing wrong with that. I could see, like, putting the distance from Emma to be part of it. I just don't think it would be the whole thing. I could see, I can easily see Izzy kind of being, you know, John's like, I'm going to go to UCLA. And Izzy'd be like, oh, one of the benefits of this is, you know, I'm not constantly being asked to take care of my father and my sister. Which maybe that's what John, I mean... <laughs> This is all huge speculation, but like maybe that would be John's argument too, which is, hey, you don't have to be their crutch. Come with me. Yeah, it could be. Um, another thing too, and I don't know that Izzy thought about this, but one of the, the quote benefits of Izzy being away is that now Emma has to learn that self-reliance that she's never learned before or never had before. And it does end up being a good thing for Emma because she one of one of the things that I really enjoyed about this book was Emma's relationship with Jane and that friendship and because it goes from being very oh, adversarial totally. 
to a genuine friendship, you know, when they have a falling out later in the story, you're like, uh-oh. But no, I really like the friendship between Jane and Emma a lot in this book. So since they've decided to move ahead with the matchmaking app, Hannah has agreed to be the test person for the algorithm. And so Emma has scraped a ton of info out of the yearbook to populate a database just in a rudimentary way. And she does a test match for Hannah and Hannah matches with Philip Elton, who actually had been in Coding Club last year, but this year left Coding Club to be in cross country, which is what he was more interested in. Emma then, see, that's the thing. I keep wanting to say Emma is shy, but Emma is not shy. Emma is just completely socially unaware because she has absolutely no problem contacting Philip and saying, hey, let's meet up at school later. And then she brings Hannah with her to this meeting and is like, so I made this app and you match with this girl. (laughs) And Philip is like, um, okay, are you trying to tell me who (laughs) I am supposed to date now? Emma says something like, well, don't you want to help us out? And so Philip actually complies and asks Hannah out to the fall formal. And Hannah agrees. Because Hannah believes in the app too. Like, I think she's what, a freshman? So she believes in the senior Emma who's really smart and that the app must be correct. And has paired her with her her one and only. Or her mathematically best match at the school. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Hannah, Hannah slash Harriet, Hannah. You can definitely see the naiveness in that character. Okay, you're going to have to explain to the listeners why you're saying Hannah slash Harriet. Because some people aren't going to get it. Because the code for love and heartbreak is a retelling of uh, Jane Austen's Emma. And so there's certain character correlations. And so the character of Hannah in Code for Love is supposed to be Harriet Smith from Austen's Emma. Now, Emma and George have the same names. Sam, however, is... Yeah, he's supposed to be Frank Churchill. Which did not make sense to me at all, but okay. No, I don't know why he goes by Sam. It's unnecessary. I mean, I understand in Austin's Emma why the character of Frank has a surname change. It makes perfect sense. But not calling him Frank, but calling him Sam, I, I don't... It didn't feel like that had the same reasoning. Or the same weight of a reason, if that makes sense. But at any rate, Sam is excited that, you know, Hannah matched with someone and he wants a match too, because he wants to go to the fall formal and he doesn't know anyone yet. He he asks if he can also be a test match. Emma kind of has a crush on Sam, and so she doesn't exactly want to make a match with him in the app, but she does anyway. Okay, I know she's Emma is supposed to have a crush on Sam, but... Does she? Because she seems pretty unaware of said crush. She totally has a crush on Sam. Do you feel like she's unaware of it though? Like... No, I feel like she's in denial about it. Okay. Because she's told herself, no, I don't want to date anyone. This isn't for me. It doesn't make any sense. I don't want to rely on another person. She has a crush on Sam, but she doesn't want to admit it. That's my thought. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It was just... It seemed like it was... I think because Emma seems fairly unemotional about said crush. Didn't it feel that way to you? Or maybe it didn't. 
Okay, so everything that we're reading is filtered through Emma's thoughts, and Emma is a very pragmatic person, you know? Like, she's the type of person who'll say, well, I don't want to fall in love, I don't want to date anyone, so we'll just file all these feelings away. Yeah. These are things that I'm not going to look closely at. Do you feel that that could adversely impact the reader's experience? And did it adversely affect yours? It made me really frustrated. It's like, gosh, just listen to your feelings for once, Emma. She even gets told that by Izzy. Yeah. <laughs> but Emma, that's that's one of her defining characteristics in this story is that she doesn't want to listen to her feelings. She doesn't want to recognize that she has feelings. I agree with you. Every time something happens that's negative or bad or uncomfortable for her, she retreats to her, her math or she retreats to her piano because that's her other hobby is playing piano. I guess maybe that's what it was for me too. It's just, it's just super frustrating to have her be so anti-emotion. Yeah, but that's like the whole point of the story, right? I yeah. mean, she's making an app to take the emotion out of finding out who you should date. <laughs> yeah. I resist. Like out of all the other kids at school, who should I date? Let's make an app and see. <laughs> <laughs> Although she doesn't want to be in the app. Like, she doesn't make an account for herself. No, she doesn't. Okay, so Hannah is going to the fall formal. Sam has asked Emma to find him a potential match for the fall formal. And they both go to her house to do some work on the app. And also so Hannah can borrow one of Izzy's dresses for the formal. Yes. They put Sam into the database, but Emma refuses to do it while Sam's there. She lies and says that the database will take a while to update. Naughty, naughty, Emma. And then she'll text him the results later. And Sam's just like, oh, okay. He just believes her. (laughs) And then Sam and Hannah go to the mall so Hannah can buy some shoes to go with her dress. And they invite Emma, but Emma's like, no, no, thank you. Friendship, Emma. I do not like people. Would you like some? (laughs) No. Later that evening, she gets a text from Sam that shows a picture of Ms. Taylor and Mr. Weston out on what is presumably a date. And Sam's like, look, it worked. You did it. Yes, which bolsters Emma's confidence and gives her additional reasons as to why creating a code for love is possible and that she's right and that she's onto something. Onward and upward. And Emma does look at Sam's match and finds out he matches with a girl named Laura. When she tells Sam, Sam seems excited. He's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go ask her out. We're in course together. So yay. Yay. Seems like it's going well. Emma has mixed feelings about it. Like, why is Sam so happy about having a match? Love isn't supposed to bring happiness. What? (laughs) So when Hannah comes by the next day to pick up the dress for the formal, she basically convinces Emma to come to the formal so that she can see how all the matches have turned out thus far, which by all the matches, they mean Hannah and Philip and Sam and Laura and a couple other boys from the cross country team have also asked for matches. And Emma reluctantly agrees to go to the fall formal for that reason. She sends a text to George and asks him if he's going to go. And he says, yeah, I'm going to pick up Jane. And then Emma's like, oh, you're taking Jane to the dance? And George is like, no, well, I'm driving Jane to the dance. We're going together, but not together. They decide the three of them will go to the dance and scope it out and see how the matches are going. Sadly, without binoculars. (laughs) 
But when they're at the dance, there's a little bit of drama because George comes back from going to the restroom and he reveals that he overheard all the cross country guys betting on who's going to get laid based on one of these matches. Yes. So they have a bet going. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And Emma's first thought is, are you trying to sabotage the app? That's her low opinion of George, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's her low opinion of everyone. She accuses every single person in Coding Club, except for Robert, of sabotaging the app at some point. Dear Emma, do you have a paranoia issue? Because it kind of seems like it. <laughs> she really does. Everyone's out to get me. <laughs> no, you're out to get you. <laughs> everyone else is just living their life. <laughs> and they end up telling all the girls that had been matched and rescuing Hannah, giving them all a heads up. Hey, there's a bet going on. Hey, these guys are jerks. Don't have sex with these guys unless you actually want to. Avoid them. <laughs> I don't know. This this part of the book, and I'm sure, I'm sure it's a thing, but Hannah is a freshman. So that means she's, what, 14? Yeah. And Philip is a senior. So he's 17, <laughs> maybe 18? Yeah, it seems an awful big age gap in high school. So after this thing goes on with the cross-country guys being slimy, being icky, Emma is rethinking everything. Well, maybe we shouldn't do this app after all. But at that point, it's too late because they already turned in their application. No turning back. You have committed. You're on the roller coaster now, buddy. Enjoy the ride. And then afterward, Emma and Jane have a conversation about how they could fix this. And Jane has an idea Yay, Jane. There should be a way in the app to blacklist someone. You know, if you're matched with someone and they turn out to be bad, you should be able to blacklist them so they can't be matched with anyone else. It makes a lot of sense and Emma really likes it. But the thing that is kind of a plot hole for me is that the app at this point in the story only gives you one possible match. Like you put in your name and there's only one possible match for you. Yeah. Yeah. I remember <laughs> thinking about that at the time going, but I don't understand. Yeah. It's not necessarily mutual. Like person A could be a, a possible match. Like their highest possible match could be person B, but then person B's highest possible match could be person C. Yeah. So it's not necessarily mutual, but every single person has a highest possible match at this point. But they both really like the idea, and Emma actually goes and holds it over Philip's head because Philip confronts her about ruining his date and the dates of all the guys. And Emma's like, well, I know what sleazeballs you are, and so we're going to block you from the app so you can't use it. Yeah, Emma stands up to him. Emma is awesome. <laughs> yeah, she stands up to him, but it's dumb. Like, she shouldn't Aww. tell him. Like, yeah. they... This is the frustrating part is that she, Emma and Jane discuss this and they talk about how it should be a secret thing so that, you know, people aren't called out unfairly and no one knows if they're actually blacklisted or whatever and all that. But then she goes and tells Philip, hey, you're blacklisted. Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal. Deal with it, And buddy. Emma's young. <laughs> so, yeah. She's thoughtless. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't think that through and plus i mean you sort of i guess for the story you sort of need emma to kind of throw it in philip's face because then it has that moment with the principal calling emma and jane in saying well you can't do this because boys were just being boys right i guess jane isn't that upset that the quote-unquote seeker is out but it does like that moment enables like uh jane and emma to have a bonding moment because they're like you know screw the principal and his attitude screw the patriarchy the prince yeah the principal is is the patriarchy i guess in this <laughs> in this book 
<laughs> because he's all about, oh, well, boys will be boys and you shouldn't block them and you are going to be banned from proceeding with this app project. And then Ms. Taylor swoops into the rescue and says, uh, no, they're going to do it. Yes. Yes, but you're wrong. So go Miss Taylor. <laughs> but yeah, at, after this, Emma and Jane become friends. They start to become friends. A girl who's on the cross-country girls team approaches Emma and says that the whole cross-country girls team wants to help out because they feel bad for how the cross-country boys team acted. And so they offer that when the app is released, they'll all take it, they'll all put it on their phones and use it and see who they match up with and everything. Save the name of cross-country. So that the app will be more successful. So the feud between boys and girls cross-country <laughs> has served the app. Hatfields and McCoys. <laughs> they also decide they need... Um, some more information to better weight the different items that are in the algorithm because Emma's put in things like if they have similar looks, if they have similar personalities and various other things, similar hobbies. And so they decide a good way to, to figure out how to weight these things, to figure out which things are most important and which things are less important is to survey people who've been in love for a long time. And so they print off a bunch of surveys to bring to the retirement home. And Emma volunteers at the retirement home one day a week to play piano for the senior citizens. So she has a relationship with several of the people who live there. One of the people she has a relationship with is Mrs. Bates, who always comes to hear her play and is very supportive and friendly. And Mrs. Bates lives there because her husband has dementia. So Mrs. Bates is fine on her own, but her husband isn't. And so they both live there so that her husband can get the care that he needs. And Emma gives the surveys to Mrs. Bates and Mrs. Bates is like, okay, well, I'll make sure all these get filled out. Meanwhile, Emma also runs a new match for Hannah <laughs> since Philip turned out so badly and he's been blacklisted. And now she matches with George. <gasps> oh no. But she's very excited about because George is nice and Hannah is very naive and just, oh, well, you know, the app says so. So it must be true. Math is never wrong. <laughs> And then Emma gets a call from her dad's assistant while she's at school and finds out her dad is in the hospital. Uh -oh. And so Emma starts freaking out and George is there and handles it. George is like, okay, well, I'll drive you to the hospital. I'll make sure that everything, you know, I'll make sure that you get there and you're safe and all this because George is in love with her and it's painfully obvious to literally everyone except Emma, even at this point in the story. I think this is just one of my pet peeves. I do sort of understand because Emma would be very young, so I kind of get it more. But, oh, the female is emotionally upset, therefore someone else must drive the car. Just <laughs> gets under my skin in the most irritating well, way. It's like, intellectually, I understand it, but then emotionally, I am just irked. Well, I understand the whole idea that you're frustrated about because it does seem to happen that, like, oh, the female has emotions, therefore... She isn't stable enough to do this task. Yes. But I do I do agree with the idea that someone who's in a highly emotional state probably shouldn't be driving a car. Yes, and especially someone who frequently does not process her emotions in a healthy way or acknowledge their existence. I imagine for Emma, she would she really would right. be very emotionally overwhelmed. That was pretty well conveyed if i recall in the text yeah i think so for sure you know so i get it it's just one of those things like even when it's justified i'm just kind of going but girl 
my counter argument is Gurr. <laughs> well, yeah, because because it can read as oh, female is emotional, must take away her agency. Yeah, and, and I I'm not saying that this is necessarily what's <laughs> happening in the story. It just just rip off the bandaid and just pick in that right. scab. That that's what it sort of feels like a little bit. <laughs> oh well, you know, it's just the patriarchy. Um. Um, okay, so at the hospital, Emma's dad is fine. He had a mini heart attack or something, but he really downplays it for Emma's benefit, I think. Which kind of makes me wonder about the whole mom falling asleep and then just not waking up. I'm like, in a different story, this would say murder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I want to know, like, how did she die? We don't learn it Yeah, it's just... She just, she died. Like, you could, you could do anything, dude. Like, car accident. Just something. Just, she just went to bed and kicked that bucket hard, like. Or, or cancer. Yeah, anything. Literally anything. Sky, meat limit. <laughs> but it's just sort of like, well, she just stopped. Okay. But she's 30. Yeah. Emma is really upset. And this brings to the forefront of her mind all the thoughts she has all the guilty thoughts she has about potentially leaving her dad in the fall because her older sister has already moved away across the country and Emma is applying to Stanford, which is also really far away. And so she's worried that her dad is going to be all alone and have no one to take care of him because it's always been Izzy's job and now it's Emma's job as Emma sees it. And she wants to be good at her job, whatever that is, whether it's writing code she or does. taking care of her parent. Nothing much really comes of this hospital visit, aside from the fact that it's one more way for George to show how how knightly ah! he is. <laughs> Indeed. Because he's constantly rescuing her. He knows her so well. Like he knows what clothes she prefers to wear on certain days. And he knows what kinds of food she prefers to eat and all sorts of things. He's just highly attuned to her. Yes, he's an Emma fangirl. <laughs> he's her knight in shining armor. Woohoo! Go team Knightly! Meanwhile, Hannah is all about George. She is so excited that she matched with George. George has asked her out. They've gone out a few times. Yeah, I just picture her as like the little emoji with the hearts for eyes. Yeah, and I feel like she's just like running with it. You know, I don't really get a whole lot from Hannah aside from, oh, okay, it sounds fun. I I love being a guinea pig. Woohoo! In certain instances where some of these other things that are going on in the story, I wish we were able to, I don't know, be in George's head maybe or be in Hannah's head. I guess because also Emma's so in her own head to the detriment of being aware of anybody else. Yes. Which that happens a lot in first person characters, which that's the tr- one of the tricky things about first person, I think. One of the many. Let's see. They go to the regional competition and they do really well. They do their presentations and they end Woo-hoo! up getting second place, which kind of grinds Emma's gears a little bit because she feels like I wanted first place. Because, I mean, who doesn't want first place, really, when you're competing? Yes, and she's working really hard, and she wants to achieve to Stanford, and she knows that they are a first place kind of place. However, it does mean that they now get to go to the state competition later in the year in February, or later in the school year in February. So time passes, and now it's Christmas time, and the college kids are home for Christmas. So Izzy's home, 
and George's brother John is also home and Izzy has kind of slotted herself back into her usual place in the family structure where I am now in charge and I take care of Emma. But at this point in the story, it kind of grates on Emma's nerves a little bit because she has started to figure out who she is. Yeah, she's acquired some independence and some self-reliance. Yeah, and, and she's not Izzy. Yes. And she's more willing to to express that now. That is your fun. This is my fun. Never the twain shall meet. <laughs> Yeah, Izzy and John make a date to go to the holiday lights uh, display that they have in town. And it seems to be a place where all the couples go because apparently Hannah and George are also going. Other couples from the school that have been matched by the app are going. And Emma and Jane decide to go to the lights display to again see how their app is working. When they're there, Izzy sees them immediately and tries to again incorporate Emma into her little shell of protectiveness <laughs> I think I, I get a picture like Izzy has like giant wings and every time Emma comes within like arm's reach the wings just enclose around <laughs> are they bat wings are they butterfly wings please describe these wings to me I am intrigued <laughs> I pictured like feathery bat wings I guess <laughs> feathery wings maybe? webbed wings like a dragon okay like a mama dragon yes gotcha <laughs> I suddenly like Izzy a whole lot more now. Uh, George and Hannah also see them there. Apparently they're on a date, but they stop their quote date and also helps scope out couples. And it seems like everything's going well. It seems like everyone who's been matched is doing great. Yay. Um, okay, so after Victory. Christmas, there's New Year's. Victory. And Hannah has a date with George. Emma has Jane over for like a sleepover and they start talking about how oh they don't want to be in the app they never want to be matched with anyone love just isn't for them but you start to get some hints that maybe Jane doesn't actually feel that way but she also doesn't want to disappoint Emma by wanting to fall in love at some point yeah you definitely get the impression that Jane is a little smitten kitten for Sam yeah you get the hint at that point in the story because when the new year when, when uh, the ball drops at New Year's, Sam texts Jane. Yeah, and Emma's looking at her phone going, I didn't get a text. Is this telling? I feel like this is telling. I'm jealous. <laughs> Emma is jealous. And it's right around this time, too, that Emma has a conversation with Izzy about George. And Izzy's like, you know, George is in love with you. And Emma's just like, what? <laughs> I picture like the little uh, mind exploding emoji. <laughs> She's like, poor little pieces of Emma brain everywhere. Watch your step. I think so, because she's jealous that George and Hannah are spending so much time together. Every time that they have coding club or whatever, and George is sitting next to Hannah, or they ride the bus to the competition and George sits next to Hannah instead of next to her, she's upset about it and jealous, but she doesn't want to admit why. Yeah, she seems to have multiple jealousies because she still has a crush on Sam at this point, a little bit, I think. Yeah, she does. 
And she's a little weirded out, too, by Sam, because Sam initially seemed to be really getting along with Laura and enjoying dating Laura. And now every time she asks him about Laura, he just kind of puts her off like, oh, yeah, I don't know. She's busy. Yeah, because, I mean, even Emma, like, she didn't like Laura at first because, of course, she's into Sam. So naturally there's the, well, I must not like Laura then. But then she grows to like Laura. So then she's disconcerted when she's like, I don't understand why Sam is not as enthusiastic about Laura as he should be. Yeah, mathematically, they should be together. Inconsistency. She's like holding two dolls together. Make them kiss. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You will fall in love and you will live happily ever after. But there's also, this is when the whole idea of second chance matches comes up because one of the girls who got matched with someone went out with that person and decided that she didn't like them that way. And wants to match with someone else. And Emma's like, um, no, does not compute. Only one match per person. (laughs) 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 Poor Emma. I think it's Sam has the idea that, well, can't you just have them, like, block that person and do a second chance match? And so they decide, the club decides, like, they kind of go over Emma's head and they're like, yeah, we should make that a thing in the app. And Emma does not like this. She doesn't like it when people have their own ideas. She only wants them to follow her ideas. And at this point in the story, Emma starts alienating everyone because she catches Jane and Sam kissing. Oh, right. And she feels betrayed by that. Yeah, she gets really upset. She doesn't have emotions and then she has all of them and they're fiery and that she directs them at Sam and, and Jane. Yeah, well, she feels betrayed by Jane because Jane this whole time has been like, no, no, I agree with you. Love is bad. Poo poo love. But meanwhile, she's been dating Sam and then Sam has been matched and never told her that it didn't work out and has secretly been dating Jane. And so when they get discovered, <laughs> Emma loses her damn mind. <laughs> They're just like, we tried, but we just don't match each other in the app. So screw it. We're just going to do it anyway. I can't control the world. What? Because sometimes people match regardless of math. <laughs> no, that is not how it's supposed to work. And then when they're at their next club meeting, Emma's avoiding everyone. Like, well, she's avoiding Jane and Sam. And so she goes to talk to Hannah. But then Hannah just keeps going on and on about George. And Emma finally is like, you know, George doesn't even believe the app works. I don't know why you think he's so great. Here, let me have your heart so I can stab it. Thank you. Meanwhile, George is right there and he's like, Yeah, that's really messed up, Emma. You're supposed to be mentoring her as a senior. Life sucks. You better figure that out now. (laughs) Life is pain. (laughs) Emma goes back to the retirement home for her regular visit where she does her piano. And she has a conversation with Mrs. Bates, who says the survey didn't have a place to put um, how we fell in love. Like, our love story. And so I just wanted to tell you about my love story. And it turns out that Mrs. Bates played piano and went to Juilliard and her husband, did he also play piano? Yes. Yeah. I can't remember if it was also at Juilliard, but yes, they, they both played piano and she was exceedingly better. And he did not like that. And the teacher had them work together yeah. on a project. So yeah, maybe both at Juilliard. Mrs. Bates was saying like, we didn't even talk because we didn't like each other. 
and everything that we said to one another was full of vitriol. So we basically talked to each other via the piano and the music that we played. And it was through that they discovered their love for each other. Yeah, they had the passion. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. And she asks Emma, how do you count passion in your app? Emma says, well, it's a common interest. And we ranked common interest highest, you know, from the survey results. And Mrs. Bates says, but how do I explain that I had other classes where I played piano with other men, but they weren't Jack? Yeah. Like, how do I explain they weren't my person? Yes, they didn't tickle the ivories the same way. Sorry. <laughs> And Emma starts thinking that maybe her algorithm is wrong. And she tells Mrs. Bates, I feel like I messed everything up. Everyone hates me right now. And Mrs. Bates hugs her and says, chin up, Emma. You're a beautiful, smart, kind, and talented girl. How could anyone possibly hate you? Oh, Mrs. Bates. (laughs) Well, you weren't on the receiving end. Because you can be all of those nice things and then say something very mean and completely disregard the importance of those things. (laughs) So a couple days go by and they're getting on the bus to go to the state championships. It's really chilly on the bus. All the people <laughs> are, are avoiding Emma. <laughs> but Emma realizes that she didn't bring something that she needed. And Ms. Taylor says she doesn't have time to go back and look for it. And George says, oh, I know right where it is. I'll go get it. So it's one more chance for George to jump in and do stuff uh, for Emma. Be her knight in shining because armor. Of course he knows exactly where Emma left it. Of course. He's an Emma fan girl. But Miss Taylor notices the, the temperature on the bus and she's like, you guys need to get it together for this competition. <laughs> Part of how we get graded is cooperation. <laughs> <laughs> but they do they do really well at the competition. She has her presentation with George as co-leader of the club and George talks about his personal experience using the app and how Hannah was his first girlfriend and it's just so great that math found a person for him and all these things and it's just wonderful and it's just making Emma just twist up tighter and tighter and tighter she's just like exactly I don't understand yes (laughs) but then after the presentation George is like, so can you come over tonight and talk? I want to talk with you. And Emma's like, well, it's Friday night. Don't you want to be out with Hannah? And George is like, no, I want to talk with you. Yeah, she says some more hateful things in (laughs) Hannah's direction, I think. Doesn't she at this point? Okay, she doesn't necessarily say it to Hannah. But (laughs) Miss Taylor comes by while they're chatting and... And asks, how did the presentation go? Emma says, George really wowed them when he talked about his girlfriend. (laughs) And she says that when Hannah's sitting like right in front of her. Yeah. Oh, Emma. (laughs) Emma, Emma, Emma. So it's not necessarily um, to (laughs) Hannah. (laughs) Technically. It's to her general vicinity, her general direction. But they end up getting second place at state. Which does not please Emma. And the project that got first place was recycling. (laughs) (laughs) But George is kind about this because he's like, you know, just because a recycling app won didn't mean that our recycling app would have won. Yeah. 
And obviously they wouldn't have had two recycling apps come in first and second. So the fact that, you know, their topic was not that enabled them to get even closer in theory. And when they get back to the school, Emma just like jumps off the bus like she's going to go home. And George is like running after her. Wait, wait, because not only does he want to talk to her about, quote, something, but Emma's also his right home. (laughs) You got a thumb, dude. (laughs) (laughs) yeah emma stops so george can catch up with her they get in the car and as they're talking emma's still like butthurt over the idea that george gushed over his girlfriend hannah and emma says well we don't have to talk tonight because we don't have to make any plans for nationals because we won second place not first and george is like well i still want to talk to you tonight and emma's like no you and hannah can go out because we don't have to talk about nationals now and George is like, but I don't have plans with Hannah. Deflect. Deflect. <laughs> Emma says, coding club is over now forever. What else could we possibly have to talk about? Ouch. And so George leaves because, I mean, who wouldn't at that yes. point? Emma's dad is home and wants to help celebrate her win, even though she didn't win first place. He still wants to celebrate with her. Yeah, her success. Take her out to dinner. Even though she doesn't see it that way. But Emma's like, no, I want cereal. <laughs> and so her dad's like, okay. So he like pours her a bowl of cereal and they sit down and have a chat. Comfort cereal. And it's Emma is cereal. just feeling like the lowest of the low. And she tells her dad, I don't want to leave you alone next year. And her dad says, I'm going to miss you too, but I'm going to be just fine here alone. And you're finally going to have a place to soar. I'm so excited for you, honey. I really can't wait to watch you fly. Aw, good dad. So again, she's got another person uplifting her. Like, you're so great. You're so wonderful. You can do anything. Don't worry about me. Is this the first good dad character that we've had? You know, it might be. This is a really good dad character. Just realizing that. I really hope he didn't murder her mother. (laughs) Like... (laughs) i would completely undermine that statement but yeah i think this is the first good dad character that we've had that's been present in any sort of meaningful way in the story (laughs) so there's another dance i don't even know what the dance is at this point is it valentine's day oh it's yeah it's the valentine's day yeah because a whole bunch of people wanted matches for the valentine's day dance that's how they got all that additional information and people signing up and Yada yada. Yeah, that's right. They got a whole bunch of data for the app because people wanted dates for the Valentine's Day dance. And they actually took donations for some, I forget what they were donating toward. Was it a charity? <laughs> or was it the dance? Or was it the app? I hope it was charity. Yeah, they took donations for some sort of charity. <laughs> Broken Hearts Club? I don't know. At any rate, Emma's sitting alone at home and just, woe is me. And she gets a FaceTime call from Izzy. And Izzy's talking about oh well at least you can still go to the dance and emma's like no i'm not going to the dance i ruined everything i have no friends they all hate me now (laughs) it's over now izzy queen of social skills says go apologize (laughs) yes three little words very important i really like this part izzy says so you were a little mean go apologize that's what friends do sometimes they fight but then they make up you can fix this em yes <laughs> emma says what about jane and sam and izzy says you're mad at them because they like each other <laughs> and emma says they're not supposed to like each other mathematically it's like they were sabotaging everything we worked for with our app <laughs> paranoia and izzy says 
but your competition is over now, so who cares what the app says? Jeez, go take a shower, get a dress from my closet, and go to that dance and apologize to your friends. That is life. <laughs> <laughs> but surprisingly, Emma does. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of surprised Emma did that. I mean, I'm glad she did, but... Yeah, she took a shower. She got dressed in one of Izzy's dresses and gets ready to go. And she feels like, maybe I can channel Izzy's social skills. (laughs) (laughs) Through the dress. Because that's where the social skills live. In apparel. Right in the armpit. When she gets to the dance, she goes up to Jane and Sam who are dancing. And Sam's like, if you're here to yell at us about dancing... (laughs) And Emma apologizes to them. And she does a really good apology. Yes. And then Jane apologizes too and says she should have been honest. But I was scared you'd get mad. Emma's like, yeah, I would have gotten mad, but I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, at this point, he extends the olive branch as well. He's like, yeah, the app is awesome. I mean, it didn't work for us, but it worked for everyone else. Yeah, look at all these people that it did work for. Success. Emma apologizes to Hannah and says she wants to be her friend and teach her more about coding. And she's so happy that Hannah and George are happy together. And Hannah reveals... George and her had talked and agreed that they didn't want to date. They just want to be friends. And they were just going along with it because of the app. (laughs) Yeah. That was when I went, wait, what? (laughs) This is when M's mind got a little blown. Yeah, this is another uh, mind blown emoji moment here for Emma. (laughs) And then Emma realizes George isn't at the dance. And she says, well, where is he? And Robert, who inexplicably shows up again, (laughs) says... Yes, because he's into bed. He stayed home to finish a project. Because didn't Robert get... I think Robert got matched with Ben. I don't know if they worked out, though. Yeah, Robert got matched with Ben, and they were a good match, and they're together now. Yes, but then Hannah's also there. But that's the extent of Robert's story. So Emma texts George... And apologizes over text and says, I'm sorry, where are you? I'm at the dance and I want to talk to you in person. And George says, I've been working on our code all day. Download the new app and log in as you. And Emma says, I don't have an account. And George says, I made you an account. And Emma says, we lost the competition, George. (laughs) And George says, just look at it, please. And Emma relents. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Finally, she relents. She logs in with the credentials George tells her and discovers George has programmed in an Easter egg for her account to show up. And it's really cute. It is cute. Like he made like a little animated George and a little animated Emma. And it was just really cute. Yeah, I imagined some cute little old school animation. Is that what you imagined? Yeah. (laughs) And then she looks up and he's running down the hallway wearing just jeans and a shirt because he wasn't planning to come to the dance. And he's like, did you like it? And she's like, I loved it. And so, yay. Yay. (laughs) She's like, I like George. I love George. George is awesome. And they finally kiss. And at this point, Emma's just like, I don't have to think about anything else because I'm kissing George. You know, while I'm kissing him, that's all that matters, which is cute. It is very cute. Then we get a six month later epilogue and we find out that George and Emma have been together since the Valentine's dance. They ended up tying for valedictorian because they had the exact same GPA. Yeah, I think Emma even fights for that, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Or Yeah, the principal wants to do a tiebreaker and Emma says no. 
No, no, she wants to share it with George. And then she didn't get into Stanford, but she did get into Carnegie Mellon and got a scholarship. And George also got into the same school as her, so they're both going to go to the same school. Yay! And the end. So, <laughs> if it wasn't clear to you, listeners, <laughs> this whole story is Emma, right? As Emma explained earlier. Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah, it is. Not in every way, but in a lot of ways, yes. <laughs> so, the plot, I think, for the most part, really follows the source material pretty closely. Yeah. I think that we got, I mean, at its core, it's a nice slow burn romance where the heroine's clueless. Hmm. I didn't really notice like too much other tropiness aside from that. It was more Austinisms to me. Yeah, I would agree. I'm inclined to agree. What do you think about the writing style? I think sometimes with with the story, some of the descriptions just didn't, didn't kind of play well for me for some reason i don't know if if it was word choice or if it was maybe part of it was the narrator so i think the narrator leah horowitz did a really good job conveying emma i think some of the problems was because emma was so i don't want to say unemotional but maybe not in touch with her emotions. And the way she was read was not being very expressive. I think sometimes that impacted the story in such a way to maybe downplay moments that should have felt more energetic. I did really like how how Jane came out. I think Jane was done really well. I really like the relationship between Emma and Jane. At the beginning of the story, Jane is the weird lab coat wearing girl. Like that's her shtick. She always wears a lab coat everywhere she goes. And when she starts to become friends with Emma, she has a sleepover at her house and isn't wearing her lab coat. Turns out she has scars on her arm because she'd been in a really bad accident and she didn't want to get made fun of and be the scar girl or whatever at school. And so she decided she'd be the goofy lab coat girl instead. Yeah, I like how Jane just says, this will be my identity and then just rolls with it. And Emma likes her for that. Yeah, I really enjoyed their friendship. I would say that's that wasn't something from the original so much because I feel like in a lot of ways, Code for Love pulled from Emma. I mean, sometimes quite directly, but I feel like the Jane-Emma friendship was expanded. Yeah, I like that. I think that was one of my favorite aspects of this, actually. Because there were, there were moments yeah, in too. Code for Love that were really cute. Like, the ending was really cute. Was it during Christmas time when Emma and George play ping pong? Like, that was a great moment. That was a really cute scene because George is so frustrated with Emma not wanting to be in a relationship or whatever. And he bets her that if he wins the ping pong match, then Emma will have to put herself in the app. And Emma wins. (laughs) Little does George know that Emma (laughs) kicks ass at ping pong. (laughs) Continually. (laughs) Well, I think George did know because we find out that he likes watching her win at ping pong. Like that's one of the things he enjoys. It's good he enjoys it because he keeps losing at it. So yay. (laughs) (laughs) He likes everything about Emma. Except that she's oblivious to his yeah, affection. He, I kind of wonder because at the beginning he's so distant. It's like, okay. And that's where I think this story in particular really would have benefited from, especially in the beginning, a George POV. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like George, I mean, I made up, th- I made up this 
a scenario in my head. Ooh, do tell. George likes Emma, but because they have like forced proximity now because Emma has to drive him to and from school and it's basically his last chance to move on her or to move on on a relationship with her because they're seniors at high school. You know, he has some reasons to to actually, you know, express how he feels about her. And I think one of the clues early on, you know, he doesn't like the matching app. Well, maybe he doesn't like the matching app because he had plans to ask her out and the matching app ruined his plans. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think that's a good good idea. But this is all something that we could have known if we were in George's head yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> But instead, I get to come up with my own story. Which, I like that. That's okay, nicer true. than what I was thinking, which is he just gets frustrated with Emma not adhering. Yeah, no, I think he wants, he's he's ready to make his move. He feels like, I need to, I need to make this move now or else I'm not going to have another chance. And then Emma's like, oh, but I'll make a matching app and match. And then he's going to have to sit on the sidelines and watch her get matched with like all these other people and not him. And she'd go along with it because math tells her that it's true. Yeah, you'd think he'd be relieved that she doesn't want to be in the app, but he wants her to be in the app. But he isn't in the app either, I don't think. Oh, he is because that's oh, how that's he matched true. with Hannah. But he's not, I mean, Hannah isn't necessarily his best match because they ran the code for Hannah, not for him. That's true. And technically he's Hannah's second best match because they blacklisted <laughs> Philip. Naughty, naughty Philip. Do you have anything to say about Emma by Jane Austen? I don't think I should. <laughs> oh, well, I did really like, you know, Cantor's idea of turning Emma into a socially awkward nerdy coder. I think that's an interesting way to interpret the Emma. Yeah, that made sense to personality, me. Personality, character, however you want to say that. Because not every character matches up accurately, you know, like the the dad character. The dad character in Emma is messed up quite a bit <laughs> but <laughs> in Cantor's um version he's a much better parent again assuming he didn't murder the mother <laughs> oh, you're so dark she a 30 year old just doesn't die let us have a good dad I want to but there's this either <laughs> that or Emma did it or me you know why, why not Emma do it she was like three. Okay. How old was Izzy? Izzy could do it. <laughs> Izzy was four. She's 17 months older than Emma. She could have accidentally. <gasps> there we go. Izzy accidentally did it and the dad covered it up. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Emma as Austin never envisioned her. <laughs> or the story. Oh, it's so <laughs> weird when like a character's name is also the title. Emma Jane Eyre. Oh. That annoys me. Yeah. That annoys me so much. I almost wish they'd call it <laughs> untitled instead of... <laughs> Sorry, I'm pushing that button. I retract. Please don't. <laughs> no untitled things. I, I retracted. But yes, that that is just a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> with the, oh, we'll take the main character and make it also the name of the book. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> well, it does make it confusing if you're trying to discuss the book in depth and you want to mention the character and the book and discuss them as separate entities. Yeah. But in general, it doesn't really bother me. It's just if I want to be, you know, literary about it. I don't like it. Cause I know in Austin's Emma, you get to see 
other parts of the story, not just from Emma's point of view. So I feel like this story could have benefited that. I liked a lot of the things that she changed about it, like the villages and Mrs. Bates and Mr. Bates versus uh, Mrs. Bates and Miss Bates. I like that change. Yeah. It makes sense. Well, I know you're a big fan of Emma, the source material. I am. It's tricky because when you, if you really enjoy the source material, it makes it really difficult to see that story altered. And you know what I mean? Like presented in a different way. Well, one of the things I really enjoy reading are retellings of stories that I like. Um, So for me, I find it interesting to see how the source material was changed or stretched or molded to fit whatever spin the author is trying to put on it. And in this case, I felt like it worked pretty well, you know, doing it in high school. Clueless maybe did it better, but... No, I, I, no. I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> I think that Clueless is a really excellent adaptation of the Emma story. However, there's something to be said for retellings in general. Basically, every story is a retelling, you know, especially in romance so many tropes are used in romance stories as a romance reader you just come to expect like okay well this will happen and then one of these things will happen and then one of those things will happen and the whole point of the story is to see how the author is going to do it yeah you know how is it going to be done this time when it comes to a retelling it's it's similar i think like how is the author going to do it this time how how will the story be portrayed this time and when it's a story that you really enjoy, I, I think that can be interesting. Now, there is there is the the pitfall of, you know, maybe they crushed your baby bird under their unforgiving heel. <laughs> but <laughs> poor baby bird. But you know, typically for me that's not the case, I guess. Like I just I'm not comparing it. I'm just, oh, I just want to, I want more of this story. I think it's the same reason people write and read fan fiction. No, that makes sense. Because they want more. (laughs) I I liked it and now I need more, please. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Can I have another? (laughs) (laughs) So are you happy for their happy? I am. I'm happy for for the kids. I'm glad they worked it out. Yeah, I'm happy for them. What about you? I agree. I am happy for their happy. I think that... I give them a bit of a pass because this is a high school story. And so I'm less frustrated that they didn't tell each other how they felt and what they were thinking. No, that makes sense. (laughs) Because for me, that's more believable for high schoolers. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I think it's really cute. George is really cute. He has, I mean, the puppy love is portrayed really well. Emma's obliviousness, I think, is portrayed well. And they're really cute together and it makes sense for them to be together. Would you say there are any antagonists in this story? I put Emma. She's kind of her own worst enemy. <sighs> Sorry, <laughs> Emma. I feel like Emma is, I think, Elton to a certain degree, but not really. Like in this version, he's, you know, once he's sort of dealt with, he's gone. So not really so much. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I have a pretty short list this time. I mean, I just put Elton or Philip Elton because... He's a slime ball. Yeah, which is consistent. <laughs> and and the principal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's an adversary, but like he just has the one scene, I think. But you're right. I mean, that it's mostly just Emma against herself. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like, you know, she's adversarial with herself in a way that I don't know how much she can help. You know what I mean? Like some of it is 
her way of thinking, her approach to life. It's so intrinsic to her. So I don't know how much of that is something that she could grow and change out of. Yeah, I don't really have expectations that she would change too much. You know, she's kind of an oblivious character. Although she did, she did grow a bit throughout the story. She did. I mean, you know, her apology was really good and it felt like it was very heartfelt. I think the biggest thing with her is she's the type of person who not only needs a giant red flag waved in front of their face, but they also need someone with a megaphone in their ear going, this is the thing, (laughs) notice it. And and this is what needs to happen as a result. She needs like one of those flow charts. But once she figures it out, she follows through and she does a good job. Yeah, she's, she's not a inactive character. And she really, she grew as a person because she started out being basically an orbiter of her older sister. Yeah. And turned into her own person with her own interests and social life and an ability to stand up for what she wants to do. Yeah, she grew, she grew up. So how would you rate her? I rated her as awesome. Me too. Woohoo! What about the hero? How did you rate George? I thought George was awesome too. I really liked him. Me too. Yeah, he was a little awkward sometimes, but I think the reason he's awkward is puppy love. Yeah, I mean, he's awkward because high school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and why do we have to keep the thing with Hannah? A se- oh my gosh. I guess you can chalk it up to high school, but it... Well, that's the thing. Was it malicious on George's part to keep it a secret? I don't think it was malicious. I think it was... Maybe he, at that point in the story, was like, Emma may never see me as a romantic interest... Emma's so unaware she may not catch on to this. And then (laughs) it kind of backfired for him. So maybe he's trying to move on at that point. Maybe. I really regret not having George POV. I know. I always want that. Because especially, especially when Emma is so unaware. So what did you rate the book? I rated the book a (laughs) 3.5. That's pretty good, actually, for you. It is. I mean, it's above average. So, yay! I feel like a three is a really <laughs> crucial rating. Like, below a three is very yee, but above a three, I feel like, is good. There are parts that I really <laughs> enjoyed. There were cute parts. What about you? What did you rate the book? I rated it four. Yay! Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was cute. Um, retellings are one of my things. So I especially appreciate that. I was really afraid you were not going to like it. I don't know why. <laughs> I know, because I think you asked me because I read it first and you were like, do you think I'll like it? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I've just been worried because I don't want to be negative about every book we read. Yeah, neither do I. I try not to, but then my mouth happens. I want to feel happy about the books that we read. <laughs> <laughs> we pick these books like sometimes months in advance and so we you know you base what you think you're gonna like on a little flappy yeah so would you did you feel wrong hey you sneaky (laughs) (laughs) sneaky sneak um no but i don't think that's shocking (laughs) that shocks you never feel romanced well i can't say never anymore but you hardly ever feel romanced it happens It does happen. It happened in the past. Why weren't you romanced? Why wasn't I romanced? Yeah. So I guess like the reason that I didn't feel romanced was it may come back to a little bit of word choice and may play into how it was performed, but I just, I could not emotionally connect. I think that's a big thing for you. 
um, having that emotional connection is really important for you to feel romanced and it just doesn't happen typically in the stories that we've read anyway up to this point. It, it doesn't in all honesty it doesn't happen often in general. That is not a low bar to reach or an easy bar to reach. <laughs> I don't want to say low because that sounds bad but yeah I like the idea of easy because like in my head like there can be like you know like a tournament <laughs> or like a maze yeah. Like, the story has to get through all the challenges to get to the bar. And I don't <laughs> put the bar in an in a easy-to-access place. I like that much better. It's like an obstacle course. Oh, those poor books. They don't stand a freaking chance. <laughs> Hence, the bar is being entertained versus being romance. Like, for me, it's more about entertainment. Well, I feel like they're two different ratings, really. You know, were you entertained? Were you romanced? I think they're two different yeah, things. Yeah, largely the, the book rating, that's about my entertainment level. Correct. And so the the romance thing is like the cherry on top. Did you feel romanced? I don't know that I really felt romanced. And I think in large part, it's because it's such a young person's story. Yeah. For me, I agree with you. It was a little difficult to relate to the characters because of that. I think if I had read it in high school or even a little oh, bit yeah. older than that, really, I would have been full on romanced. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely. Like if if I was in high school reading the, that book, I wouldn't be surprised if I felt romanced. It, it would be much more likely. I'd probably yeah. be more entertained But as well. I did really enjoy it. And I, again, I have to point to the whole fact that it's a retelling, but I... I love Austin and I love Emma and so I went in expecting it to hit certain points for me and the points that I wanted it to hit it did Yay! so in that respect it did well on the romance meter <laughs> Austin is good oh yes <laughs> it's hard to go wrong with Austin so what else have you been reading so I read this a while ago it was very entertaining and anyone who enjoys Austin I think would enjoy a read of this and it's called Lost in Austin, Create Your Own Jane Austen Adventure by Emma Campbell Webster. And it's... it's Well, from the title, it sounds very topical. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's a choose your own adventure <laughs> book and I really enjoyed it. So if I remember correctly, because I did read it a bit ago, I believe I... I think I murdered someone. I died. <laughs> of course you and did. And I think I was ruined. <laughs> Because apparently me <laughs> in Regency era England, not that successful. I don't do well. Like, it's obvious that, you know, to, to do well, you really should adhere to Regency era standards. And I, I, I don't do that very well. It's so easy to get ruined in Regency era. It yeah. is. Yeah. But it was fun because like each time it would be like, oh, yep, that was not the, the that wasn't the way I was supposed to go. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> it's a really good book. I think it's the kind of thing that you could, it would be a while before you'd have to reread it, you know, because once you get to the end and you, you see what the options are, it'd be a while before you could oh, reread yeah. that. But it's, it was really enjoyable. I, I enjoyed dying and murdering and getting ruined. <laughs> Who doesn't enjoy getting ruined? <laughs> Hopefully you enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, then yikes. Hopefully it's a consensual ruination. Exactly. Woohoo! Here's for consensual ruination. <laughs> so what are you reading? I'm reading another thriller. Woohoo! Thrill me, baby. <laughs> it's called Looker by Laura Sims. Oh, uh -huh. 
And it's about this woman who lives across the street from an actress. And she's obsessed with this actress. It just gets really, really, really creepy. (laughs) Okay. You You don't really know anyone's name. Like, the narrator is an unreliable narrator, which is one of my faves. Okay. She was married, and she was unable to conceive a child that both she and her husband wanted. And she kind of, you get the impression that she started to to become more obsessed with the actress at that point. But the husband leaves her. They get divorced. And she's just, like, watching this actress and her perfect life with her perfect husband and her perfect children. It, it's, Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I have questions. Yeah, it's really good. You you should you should oh. read it if you want a Oh no, so many books on the list. <laughs> a good creepy um I would say it's cre- creepy and kind of claustrophobic too. It's claustrophobic as a reader because you're you're trapped in this woman's head and, and you want additional information and you can't get can it. You can only see you're... the world through her thoughts and her thoughts are unreliable. Okay. Yeah, that does sound fun. So that's it for this time. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com, for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. Join us next time when we discuss His Human Assistant by Michelle Mills. Bye! I'm so happy we're doing this so Me too! Those are my faves. <laughs> I'm glad we're, we're doing faves. We need to make sure to incorporate faves. We need to find out what your thing is in the genre. That'd be nice. <laughs> I think I struggle with contemporary, so I'm like always looking for like, can we? Can I have a murder? Can I have magic? Can I have something? <laughs> can I have all of those? Can someone die, please? <laughs> I know this is a romance, but I need a death. A good one. Yes. A good death. Can I have steamy sex and <laughs> gory death, please? <laughs>